right. What does that going? sound? What does that sound mean, Anthony? We, it means it's time for Freightonomics. Freight of what? Freightonomics. Freightonomics. What yes. is that? It's it's where freight and economics meet, and we talk about everything from A to Z. A to Z. Uh, it's kind of like a. It's kind of like from Anthony to Zach. Yes. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> that would be clever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So much cleverness here. Uh, you guys can't stand it, can you? So <laughs> we've got a big show today, Anthony. Yes, we got a big show. So we're going to run down uh, a few things uh, in, in today's Freightonomics episode. Yes. Uh, but let's, uh, let's transition right into it. So today we're going to talk about how you know, the freight market is operating. Right, uh, right now, some surprises uh, occurring in the freight market as we enter into the peak form of holiday season as we approach Christmas. Yes. Uh, and then you've got some manufacturing. Yeah, I can talk some manufacturing. Manufacturing to yeah. talk about talk as well about as some of that. Uh, you know, the consumer yeah. side situation. But first, we had a big story this week. Something happened? Something happened. And, uh, you know, one of, one of many mm. uh, happenings, unfortunately, over the mm. past several months, another trucking company shut down. But this one was a little different. Right. You know how this one was a little different, Anthony? Zach, how was this one a little different? This one was a little different in the way it's the largest uh, asset-based trucking shutdown in history. You're saying in history? Yeah. Like ever? Ever. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you could, I guess you could argue, you know, scale and stuff over mm -hmm. the years. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, you had the consolidated freightway shutdown years ago. Right. Uh, and then you had several shutdowns back in the early 80s when uh, the industry was deregulated. Yeah. Um, obviously we're at a different time and place in terms of overall values of companies and how much they're actually uh, handling and whatnot. But in, in, for certain in the modern day and age over the last uh, 30, 40 years, right. you're, you're really talking about the largest shutdown, uh, of an asset based trucker. So Celadon shuts down, uh, bowels bankruptcy basically immediately Yeah, and just they're, they're going to have to liquidate everything. It's not one of those restructuring shut, uh, bankruptcies. This is the one that's like, we're gone, we're done. Yeah, it's not, it's not resurfacing. You know, and unfortunately, that means a lot of people are out of jobs right, uh, right now. So let's go through and give a little background on Celadon. We're not going to make this a Celadon show. You've got enough places to look at uh, a lot of this information. But just to, to quickly cover, you know, what happened here and how, how this, you know, was it avoidable? What were the mechanisms involved in the shutdown? You know, how much did the market have to do with it? Was it just simply, you know, in, inept management, uh, et cetera? Right. Uh, you know, and we want to transition that into something that, you know, you can fully understand and, and take back with you. Um, just so, you know, you can learn a little lesson about yeah. how not to behave yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. in the freight market. So some fast facts about Celadon. Uh, they were founded in 1985 by a little man called Stephen Russell, a highly regarded individual. He had worked at Ford uh, for a lot of his career leading up to this. Uh, so, and I, of course, uh, Celadon was one of the largest automotive uh, carriers, automotive production carriers in the country. Right. Uh, the largest international truckload uh, provider in North America uh, due to their cross-border relationships, Mexico, into the United States, a lot of auto manufacturing comes across the border down there. Right. And, uh, you know, you know, automotive has not been having a great year not thus far. <laughs> even globally, it hasn't yeah. been good. Yeah, no, exactly. So, and I, I found this one to be quite interesting. You know, I did, I did a little extra research. Yeah. Just because I was like, what, where does the name Celadon come from? 
Mm-hmm. I know you know where it comes from. Do you want to? Zach, I don't know where it comes from. This what? is so obvious. <laughs> this is so obvious. Everybody knows what Celadon is, right? Pokemon. Besides, you know, Pokemon. Gym. Anybody over the age of, of 30 probably. Okay. Okay. Probably doesn't is know it that. A, but, a you know, style? it is a Korean pottery style developed yeah. in like 10th century Korea, mm-hmm. uh, which was actually part of China at that point. Korea had not fully formed, but the Kyoro, Koryo dynasty, Koryo, yeah. Koryo dynasty. Uh, and this was up on that peninsula up there, the Korean peninsula, that they, it's basically a green glaze over the top of this pottery. Yeah. And so. it's one of the few words that uh, mean this, both the same in English and Spanish. No. Well, how about that? How about it? It's actually, I think it is actually an English word, Celadon. Yeah. It doesn't come, which is kind of messed up to me because it was, <laughs> it was created in Asia. Yeah. And yet we use an English word, an English term for it. America. Also. Yeah, America. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually British, I think, uh, or, you know, that's where the origin comes from. Okay. British, well, not technically British. You could argue it comes from Latin and Greek and all that, but... So this is not British a, as an English. Yes, it's not a this is not an etymology. Show. <laughs> More importantly, they had thirty three hundred tractors, yeah. ten thousand trailers, and four thousand employees, and they were headquartered in Indianapolis. That's a lot of people. Yes, that is a ton of people. Uh, thirty three hundred tractors is a is a very large carrier. Um, ten thousand trailers, obviously, tons of assets. Now, I, I guess the the reason that they are in this predicament is because some of those assets uh, they basically overvalued uh tons of of trucks and and units uh from the period of about 2013 to 2016 right and basically they were saying that this ten thousand dollar truck is worth fifteen thousand dollars and they did that over hundreds of units so it it overvalued their proposition by tens of millions of dollars uh which is effectively what they had to pay back to the department of justice as of 2000 april 2000 uh 19 this yeah. year that was ruled uh, 42.2 million dollars they had to pay back they're going to pay it to the department of justice and that would be distributed to the stakeholders in the company uh depending on their exposure or anybody that was effectively you know harmed by this overvaluing right um how they were going to do that i'm not real sure but yeah. uh at the same time that is i mean for for a company of that i don't care who you are in trucking like that's a big number for any of the largest carriers in the in the country, it's really hard to take a $42 million hit. They obviously didn't have to pay it all off at once. Right. Uh, I believe at the time of shutdown, they had about $33 million left on their books to pay back. Wow. They were their largest uh, liability uh, was this settlement. Um, but, you know, long story short, uh, they basically got into some trouble in 2016, which was... For those of us that were in the freight market at this time, this was a rough year for yeah. for transportation and freight in general. Uh, we were actually in a global economic slowdown. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're you're familiar. I remember that one? I that remember one. a huge slowdown in manufacturing, but also known as the last freight recession before this year. Yeah, it was it was technically one of the last freight recessions before we really even knew what a freight recession yeah. was. Yeah, most of the time it's just a recession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know, the, since we are splitting off from, you know, we are more of a service economy, mm-hmm. as you know, what is it? Yeah. 70%. Yeah. Right around 70, 70%. And, uh, you know, only 30% is involving production and things of that nature. So it, we don't necessarily dive into recessions anymore if we stop producing stuff, mm-hmm. if that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we can definitely be in a segmented 
recession. Um, I've seen many times where we, not many times, but more more times now that there is an industrial recession and not a global recession or a, a GDP, a consumer-led recession. And especially during this this longest recession or expansionary period. Yeah, just, yeah, from 2010 to 2000. Uh, well, we're still Today. going, right? Yeah. yeah. As far as we know, but a lot of recessions are, are diagnosed after the fact. Truth. But I, I, it, I think the skies are pretty blue right now. Okay. For yeah. now. For now, we're getting. We still have some some negative uh, signs going on out there, but yeah. you know, for now, things are. I mean, the freight market has slowed dramatically. I think everybody feels that uh, that's out there in the space. You know, we've seen spot market rates drop another twenty, thirty percent year over year, uh, but. At the same time, everybody realizes that 2018 was overheated. Yeah. Uh, you know, the perfect storm of activity. We had a bunch of ELDs. We were recovering from hurricane damage, um, economic booming. Uh, the government yeah. did some tax incentivization out there uh, yeah. that really and in, in, you know increased a lot of production, a lot of freight movement, yeah. essentially. And it was unexpected. It was coming out of that 2016 market. Yeah. So Celadon really is a product of what we've seen over the last three years. Now, uh, accounting practices aside, which is why they're getting hit with fraud charges, uh, depreciation um, is, I mean, in the way that you do it, it, it's really, uh, you got two ways that you can effectively use depreciation on in in trucking. And it has, it does have a big impact. That's why they were basically overvaluing their assets. It, it, It allows them to show, you know, it may not necessarily be transactional, but they can show a lot of uh, inflated value on their balance sheet, uh, their depreciation expenses, uh, which are items that you know hit the income statement. They they're basically below, uh, you know, for a trucking company, they're above board uh, or above line transactions, and they do impact the OR. But you know, if you have an asset that you're valuing at fifteen thousand dollars, and you're able to write off, you know, most trucking companies use a uh, double declining method yeah. because the value of the truck uh declines faster after you know over time gotcha so it's it's worth uh it loses more of its value in year one than year two gotcha because you're using it more and the and the value drops off faster so it's right. it also helps them on the tax side which the government allows them now to uh pay taxes on you know an amount higher than what they put on their books right as well so they were playing accounting games, yeah. um, which, you know, for a publicly traded company, you really are playing with fire because yeah. those auditors come in every single month, right. every quarter. They're looking at your your statements. If they don't feel that's great. But I guess this, the thing to take away here is, you know, it's like looking at the blue book value of a truck. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you have your car, you have your Subaru legacy. Yeah. And you have it for five years and you go and you look at Kelly Blue Book mm-hmm. and it says, you know, these things hold their value. You paid thirty thousand dollars for this thing it's Mm -hmm. still worth twenty five thousand dollars yes well these guys basically brought the uh you know i don't want to pick on anybody in in particular but the the hyundai sonata yeah you know and said well it's worth about thirty thousand dollars today um so they basically made it real obvious right right. (laughs) you know when they only were paying twenty thousand dollars for it back in the day right um and it was it was one of those like super obvious they paid ten thousand dollars for a hammer type deals and then they got called on it because auditors aren't as ignorant of how much something costs as, as I guess they thought it was. Right. Um, and I, my, my mind just keeps going back, right, to mm-hmm. 
all of those employees. And uh, the current leadership team sounds like they were really trying to hold something together that they weren't really responsible for. Is that right? Uh, that's that's somewhat accurate. We don't know all the details of yeah. what happened in the back office, but you know, um, you know, there were a couple of CEOs that were implicated here. One of them, which we don't hear about in the news right now, Paul Will. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has been some chatter about how he had something to do with it, but okay. um, you know, it was uh, you know that'll that'll be up to the government to decide. Yeah. You know, I certainly can't <laughs> can't tell from way over here. Yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, you know, CEO Eric Meek and Bobby Peevler. Uh, you know, he was the CFO, mm-hmm. are basically the two targets of the government. Yeah. Um, some of the thoughts here are that they are actually just the first step because the government, when they decide to come after you, uh, they probably already have their case already. You're you're yeah. You're not you're you're gonna have a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there there's there's probably more going on here than we know mm-hmm. at this point, even uh, because they want to make examples out of people like this. Right. Uh, just to show a warning because it does it, it I mean think about it 4,000 people a lot. lost their jobs in one day I mean yeah. those drivers that were sitting out there on the road yeah uh, basically had to abandon their trucks right you know they told them I, I think we all saw that message uh, that went out over the social media and internet that right. basically said leave your keys in the in the dashboard that's wild walk away it's like somebody tells me to do that yeah I'm, I mean and I just why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's my motivation? Right. You know, right other right. than, you know, I've got other people that are effectively calling me yeah. to get work today anyway. Yeah. And you're all going to jail. So yeah, what, yeah, <laughs> what's, yeah. uh, what's, what's the story here? That one kind of threw me for a loop, but yeah. Yeah. And like you said, those truckers stranded. Um, thankfully, I think one that one of the positives in here is that we can see the nature of the industry as uh, many come together um, providing assistance, help, outreach. Um, I know even in the midst of all this, I know there are what there are DART made an initiative to help out any Celadon drivers that may have been stranded or, or needing a, a ride anywhere. Um, so it's it nice to see some of that characteristic really shining through in, during this time. Um, and, and thankfully, I, I don't know if you, you can uh, help me out with this, but it, it would probably be pretty not not easier, but probably a little bit easier for some of these truckers, I think, to be able to find another, you know, home, you know, uh, to drive for. But uh, I think it's going to be difficult for some of the ops team, you know, to just kind of pivot as quick as some of the drivers. Yeah. And this was a very industry specific carrier here. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, this is this is probably good for them because it gives them a more specialized skill set. Yeah. They'll know how to handle. I think one of their biggest accounts was Honda. Yeah. Um, and of course, they were heavy into the automotive side of things. I don't know all of their accounts by any means, but um, that was their their specialty. Uh, we actually saw, you know, GM go on strike this year, and that had a huge impact to anybody that was hauling production parts for them. Yeah. Um, there's several of those across the country, but you know, when you are that specialized, it really, uh, you know, it, it's a double-edged sword. You basically yeah. it's good and bad. It's yeah. good in the way that you are insulated from competition yeah. and other people cannot just easily come in and know all the stuff, you know, you're, you're set up infrastructurally to perform this specific task, but yeah. at the same time you are at the mercy of that specific segment yeah so yeah. it's like putting all your eggs in one basket right you get super you know if you're an expert at something you're ignoring a lot of other things right and that's that's effectively what happens here so 
you know, these niche carriers, you know, I worked at one for a long time, floor covering. We didn't have a lot of competition, but at the same time, we were highly exposed to the ebbs and flows of that market right. uh, in floor covering. So it was, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a tightrope to balance. And there, you know, I know we, we talk about how there's lots of, you know, oversupply in the market right now. Yeah. Well, not all these carriers and brokers are created, you know, the same. Yeah. Uh, they are, they are just like, there's totally different shippers out there. there. There's carriers that specialize in specific types of shipper. Right. Uh, just like Celadon was. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So let's, uh, you know, let's talk about a little bit. I want to transition, just transition this. I swear I haven't, I haven't had too much to drink today. I don't know about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> into, into like, how is, does this, is this really one of the, you know, is this an more of a symptom of you know, Celadon internal issues, or is this also uh, a product of our current conditions right. in our current freight market? So as we mentioned, a lot of this stuff occurred, uh, you know, around 2016. Yeah. Uh, it was the actions that were in 2013 to mm-hmm. 2016, but uh, they started having financial difficulties when the freight market slowed down, which caused them to make some poor decisions on the, yeah. on the, out, on the income statements. And um, then, you know, they basically got this huge uh, judgment against them this year, but the freight market last year was extremely robust, yeah. as we mentioned, and now it has slowed down uh, again, not to the levels that it was in 2016. Uh, we actually are seeing volumes are up uh, year over year. They continue to be uh, strong, even though we've had some moments, but uh, volume is just the demand side. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as you will attest to, uh, the Rates and prices and revenues are all driven by supply and demand, right? Not just demand. Not just one side. Did you uh, did you draw that X on your on a lot of your macro stuff? You no, know, back in the day, yeah, yeah, you know those the good supply and demand curve. Yeah. Oh yeah, aggregate <laughs> supply, aggregate demand. Oh my goodness! Once you those models can get pretty intricate. And Zach, you can combine two or three of them together. Uh, what? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I had enough trouble just drawing the X. Yeah, yeah. You combine about three of those things together. <laughs> oh, man. You make one shift, one movement. Oh, See, my goodness. That's complicated. It's stuff. a beautiful thing. And the freight market is no different. Uh, you know, we are currently operating in what we feel is an oversupplied situation. But do we really know? Yeah. Maybe this is the optimal amount of supply yeah, for yeah. the demand. I right. mean, it, it just depends on your perspective. Yeah. Of course, I mean, carriers would love to have uh, it lean back the other way. Shippers are obviously happy with the way it is now. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I don't, that's, that's obviously depending on where you stand on the side of the fence. Right. Uh, but volumes are 7% higher right now versus 2018, according to our outbound tender volume index. Okay. Uh, that Sonar users and subscribers and even people that just, you know, watch our videos yeah. and things like that, they're going to know that. Uh, reefer demand uh, appears to be up as well 3% as well as dry van is up about 9.4%. The reefer demand one really kind of shocks me because it's not really I mean I guess it's freeze protection and, and stuff like that as well but it's uh I'm surprised that that one is having is cuz most of the year it's actually been down underperforming in yeah. uh, 2018. So that's actually pretty good news for carriers out there uh and we are seeing capacity tighten. Uh we're about, you know, we're over 8% uh, which is one of the highest values of the year, uh, excluding the early part when we were still coming down out of that 2019 yeah. uh, or 2018, uh, you know, overheated segment. So there is some good news here. And of course, with it's going to take some time for those uh, 3,300 drivers and, 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 well, I guess 
units. Uh, they weren't 3,300 drivers total, but uh, those 3,300 units to get replaced in the market. So we yeah. should actually, that, that should show up in terms of capacity, yeah. uh, you know, really being offline. But, um, you know, this, this 2019 into 2020, we are seeing some other signs that it's, you know, we're, we're this, this could be a product. I, I, I do believe back to my original question. I do believe that Celadon was a product of the freight market conditions overall. Yeah. Uh, even though their accounting practices were, you know, subpar. It exposed them. But yeah, it was basically like desperate times. Yeah. Desperate yeah. measures. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. And then they basically just called it, uh, you know, as they probably saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. It's not going to get better. <laughs> right, <laughs> not, right. not, not, not long enough, I should say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that being said, uh, let's see what's going on in, uh, in manufacturing. So, ah, Zach, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. All right. So, I mean, say it with some enthusiasm. Ah, <laughs> ah, all right. So manufacturing. Right, so a lot of people were anticipating. I know last time we, we spoke, we went over the PMI. It's been down for a while. A lot of people think it's, it's found its bottom. Um, so yeah, it reported a 48.1, um, in the last report issue and under under 50 is typically 50 bad contraction yes correct yeah yeah under 50 bad under 50 bad yes over 50 good <laughs> over 50. <laughs> yes and so we're looking at manufacturing i'm not so certain that we found our bottom um although um in a new orders segment and um we're looking at manufacturing new orders separate from the pmi just looking at manufacturing new orders there was a there was a slight gain this month zach it was up Point three percent for the month. All right, well, that's good news. I but mean, it's still down point four percent year over year. I don't know, but a nice direction change nice feels direction. Yeah. feels all right. I mean, new orders are the things that you want to look at in terms of leading. Yeah, it's going to lead. It's going to yeah. be you know insights into production and then shipping, and then that goes on a truck. Yeah. And there now, we go. Now, is this one of those like you know where you look at a chart and it's just it moves a different direction once and then it goes back down the other direction yeah. even more? It's like one step forward, two t- two step back yeah, type deal. Yeah, and I'm not seeing okay. anything in manufacturing, especially in the quarterly year over year growth, that's suggesting that there's going to be any kind of a significant resurgence. I mean, within it, we have durable goods, so really a lot of stuff that's going to go on freight. Yeah, it was up a solid 0.5 percent this this month. Good, yep. but still down 0.8 percent year over year. So that's you know it's it's moving directionally it's yeah. it's 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 better but it's, it's better still for not, the month again but it was 2000 was this time last year overheated are these comps tougher the comps are a little tougher mm-hmm. but uh, I'm, when i'm looking maybe, at it maybe i'm trying to polish this turd a little you bit are, yeah. you are you know what <laughs> i'll give machinery was up 1.2% for the month good news but it was still down 0.3% year over year. Oh, Anthony, you're killing me. <laughs> you're, killing me. You're, you're bringing me on this emotional roller coaster. All right, all right, all right, all right. Transportation <laughs> equipment up 0.7% this month. See? Good news. But still down 3.4% year over year. Or that's the worst one yet. <laughs> I thought you were going to I thought you were going to throw me a twist. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll throw you a twist here. Give me an M Night Shyamalan moment okay, here. Okay, okay. Furniture, furniture and related products was up 3.2% for the month. But it was down five point. No, no, this one was up three point four year over year. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. All but, right. And then, then I think you know look furniture. furniture. So the stuff that you know consumers are buying. Consumers are buying. Oh, these consumers. Yeah. Oh man. And and I guess most of those other indexes are or measurements are kind of capital goods. Capital 
Public goods, yeah. Things yeah. that you know businesses invest in, yeah. and, and you know heavy machinery, have a lot of big equipment. You know who hasn't let me down this year? The consumers. Consumer. And you know who's feeling good right now? The consumer. Oh, you're going to talk about feeling. <laughs> you, you know. Oh, my gosh. I was going to interject some, some consumer sentiment. Oh, these, guys, these consumers and their feelings. You so, know what? <laughs> Spend your money. Yeah. Buy some stuff. Yeah. Get these businesses spending some money. Yeah, that's it. Know. That's it. Because that's the stuff that goes on trucks. That's the stuff that goes on trucks. And yeah. when we look at the latest University of Michigan numbers, I'm just just real quick, real quick. They moved up to 99.2 from 96.8. All right. That's the sentiment. That's the yeah, December oh, sentiment. sentiment. Oh, I'm glad yeah. they're yeah. they're feeling great now. But huh? real numbers, real numbers, real disposable income, it did dip 0.1% in October. Oh, look at that. But look at that real facts. Real <laughs> facts. But because they're feeling so confident, sentiment is so high. Um Expenditures are up. So total expenditures rose 0.3%. Now, now, Zach, this is where we get in trouble here. Okay. We're feeling good, right? We're feeling yeah, good. They're, they're feeling great. But <laughs> <laughs> disposable income drops. But uh, consumer credit jumped to $18.9 billion in October. I love it. After it was just, just at <laughs> 9.6 in September. Just a castle made of sand right there. <laughs> <laughs> ready to... Ready to get knocked over. <laughs> so this so was the second strongest month. They don't have any money, but they're going to spend it on stuff. They're spending, they're spending so we're, right now. We're back to the good old, you know, what was it, 1990s, <laughs> early 2000s, where yeah. everybody just financed everything. Yeah, so just, it's starting to start. It's starting to climb up there slowly but surely. Still below the 06, 07, 08, 09 levels. Um, but it's it's slowly building momentum. But a lot of a lot of debt out there right now. Is what you're saying. It's a bit of debt. It's a bit of debt, and it's because consumers are feeling still feeling pretty confident. So, but um, those interest rates are low, I guess, but not on the not on the not on the consumer side. No, no. credit cards are still fifteen percent if you yeah. want to, if, the, if you'll pay it. Last I checked, yeah, <laughs> and that that means there there's another debt bubble building. Yeah, which. We all know in 2008, 2009 was a big, of course, that was in the housing. Well. Yeah, it housing didn't go side, well. But. Um, but but we are seeing that, you know, consumer credit, they're spending. And and what better time than peak retail season to start buying stuff, you know? Yeah. And I and, guess that's all right. But it still feels like borrowed time. It's scary. Yeah. It's a little scary. I, I, as an economist, I would say, yeah, watch it a little bit. We, you know? we always, as humans, we always seem to forget, you know, we get excited, we get caught up mm. in the moment. This is why I don't like feelings, Anthony. We also have short memories. Yeah. <laughs> like, we have oh. some of the short, we're, we're supposed to be at the top of the food chain. Yeah. And, you know, have it all together. Yeah. But we forget faster than well, yeah. an elephant I mean, for sure. I'm not going to name drop any, any restaurants here, but whenever I see a restaurant on the news having some kind of outbreak because their food got people sick, food poisoning. I'm like, ah, oh, I got to stay away. But Zach, two, three weeks later, I'm right back there in line. Back there. Back there. <laughs> like nothing happened. <laughs> you know what? You know what? That's, that's actually, that's probably evolutionarily why we are on top of the food. <laughs> because we will just rush right into salmonella. Yeah. Like nobody's business. That was, that, was, that was like a month ago. They figured it out. Yeah. Actually, probably the best time to go is yeah. right after that report. Yeah, so, they're, they're really on their P's and Q's. That's like, a yeah. good point. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, so, so uh, you know, things are, everybody feels good, but under the surface, we're, yeah. of course, we got, we got, some, we got some issues we're to do. We're treading with. a little bit. We're yeah. treading. <laughs> it's all right. And, and, I mean, of course, consumer uh, are still a nice underpinning with uh, 
unemployment rates. I think it was the latest was 3.5. Right. So, I mean, things are still good on that front. Uh, jobless claims are still um, trending pretty well. But, yeah, I, I would say that the consumer's in a good place. Watch it, though. You know, take it easy. Prop us up, but, but you know, let's, let's not overextend ourselves. Yeah, there. right, right, exactly. Yeah. Good points, good points. Well, uh, so, you know, that's, that's actually some decently... I don't, I don't want to call it positive news, but yeah. it's, you know, surface-wise, it, it sounds nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, the freight market itself is, is actually doing okay right now, which we expect it to. Yeah. Retail time of year. We talked about that last week. Um, but, you know, it is that time, Anthony. All right. So, Zach, now, what wh- is this? One of the things that I, I mentioned that you weren't happy about, and I might make some enemies out there. You will. I guarantee you. You watch it. We're going to get negative comments. All right. All right, guys. Sit down if you're standing up. All right. I think bacon is overrated. That is the most ridiculous (laughs) statement. If there is anything on this planet that deserves the amount of attention and love it gets, Uh, it is that delicious, salty meat candy. It's put on too much. I've never. Okay. I get it. It's a good pairing at breakfast. You get the bacon. You get the eggs. You get the toast. I've never eaten bacon until the point of like, you know what, I'm full because I've had so much bacon. And then, you know what's the worst? Having a bacon on a burger. And then you take a bite out of the burger and you accidentally pull out all the bacon. Oh, this is ridiculous. That's the this worst. Is, everything that you're saying right now is awful. <laughs> oh, and then, I don't know, then you, then you have like which which part you side on, on, on whether you like crispy bacon or, or a little bit raw, you know, bendy bacon. And then it takes too long to cook. You get it wrong. The, the whole batch is messed up. Ah. And then the smell sticks around forever, which is great. It's Good awful. News. Oh my gosh! You it's know, awful. every Saturday morning, I make bacon. Uh, every actually, most Sundays too, I put on the bacon. Okay. My right. grandmother, she gave me a little Presto flat top grill griddle type thing. Yeah. And that's how I wake up my family effectively. That's a good wake up. It's a good wake up. Yes, of course it is because it's bacon. That's the but best way to wake up possible. When it's three p.m. and the bacon's gone. And I'm walking in the house. I'm a little bit annoyed. You just fry up some more. <laughs> <laughs> and don't even let me get started on guacamole. But that's another delicious. Although I did, I will, I did go through a phase of not eating guacamole. Yeah. for a yeah. period of time. Yeah. Well, well, maybe someday you'll you'll figure things out. And get on the same <laughs> track as all all the rest of us. Uh, everybody uh, else has figured out. We'll but uh, you know that'll do it for uh, for this week, Anthony. Any closing comments about you know? Any feelings that you have you want to get out there on the table? Um, yeah. Yeah. So next week, we're probably going to be talking about the upcoming retail sales, and I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Oh, uh, of course. Consumers are feeling pretty well as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited to be on episode two already. Episode two. It, mo- it goes so fast. It goes so fast. <laughs> uh, um, I, I think one of the best podcasts ever. It, it obviously is. <laughs> or of at least of our generation. Yeah, right. But or, or at least of this particular moment right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I challenge you. In the last five seconds. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. Everybody, stay classy. San Diego. No. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good day.